and welcome back to the What the Fork Sunland Bonus Preview Podcast. Whilst I know a lot of you actually surprisingly enjoyed the regular preview show during the week, I know that some people don't want to hear anything a Newcastle fan has to say, so we thought we'd do a little bit of a bonus show where we invite all the regulars to discuss all of our favourite memories from Sunland versus them ahead of the game on Saturday. The plan was to do this earlier, um, and of course, in true Sunderland fashion, we had an absolute clusterfuck when it comes to PR. And as much as I wanted to go in blood and thunder on that, I think I've run out of anger. I think we've all run out of anger and there's not much more to say on it, really. So we're going to reminisce about good times and hopefully even happier times coming this Saturday to preview the game. Uh, first and foremost, I'll welcome everyone in. Ross Black, how are you doing, mate? You OK? I am good, Graham. Finally got over the absolute cluster earlier, as you've mentioned. Just disgraceful on every level. Both, yeah, just, just don't know if I feel excited or a bit sick about the game or both. Um, yeah, I'm not over it, but I, I don't want to go on about it, even though I've mentioned it twice already. But um, Brad, you're munching something, but no one can see this, so I'll, I'll throw the next how are you to you, just to... I'll, I'll elongate this a bit because you still got a bit of sandwich in your cob. Are you all right, Bradley? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, just having my tea. Not long finished work. Uh, I'm actually quite looking forward to the game. I've been all week, but due to some fashion, we know how to just outdo ourselves and take the attention elsewhere. Bring on the mags. Dave, I'll fire the same question at you. How are you doing? Are you okay? Yeah, not, ma- not bad, mate. But, um, it's been an interesting day, hasn't it? So, uh, mm. yeah, we'll try not to get... We'll, we'll try and end it on positive notes, I guess, instead of getting involved in all of that, because um, then maybe he's on the, on the review show on Saturday night or Sunday morning, whenever we do it, then maybe we can be negative in case we get hammered. But fingers crossed, uh, it gets a bit of reaction, gets people up for it in a weird way. Yeah, ultimately, I think if people are wondering, are we sidestepping it? No, we spoke about this stuff a few weeks back and it's massively important and I think we will come on to it in the review show after the game but the one thing that's became really apparent today is that the fans are the most important thing about this football club something I've reiterated till kingdom come they always will be and today I want to talk about fans memories and the things that you know the beating heart of this football club which is our memories of some of our biggest games in recent times but um Ross you're touching it a little bit before before we go into our happy memories by the time people listen to this, it'll be like 24 hours or less before uh, the FA Cup third round tie with them. Uh, how was your nerves? Oh, I feel sick. Do you? Um, I well, think it's because, like, obviously living in Gifford and having a family that are supporting them, it's non-stop. And, like, I just... I, I spoke to my dad earlier and I was like, I won't speak to you after or I might not even speak to you after. I'm leaving the family group chats and everything, so... Yeah, for a bit of, um, in depth for everyone. Unfortunately, I have mag family. I'm Ill- infiltrated. But yeah, so the whole the whole build up to me is just disgusting. I hate it, and I feel like I, I enjoy the build up like beforehand, like the, when you get the atmosphere and you and you're there. But I feel like the whole build up, like thinking about the game, it just turns my stomach a bit. Like, don't know if it's just me. I don't know whether you've ever tried this, but you can disown family members. I know it's blood and stuff like that, but you, you really don't need to have a dad. Trust me, you don't need I one. Need, I need ba- I need babysitters, man. You've got to, you've got to be good. <laughs> have you never heard of nursery? Like, um, cost of living crisis. Yeah, <laughs> it's very true. Very true. Um, 
I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm quite calm. I'm more angry about the stuff that sort of happened today and stuff and the, the lead up to it. But I'm quite calm and it's not saving face. I think, you know, um, on paper, the Premier League team should always beat the championship team. It's also a derby, so anything can happen. Um, and it's been that long since we played that I've kind of kind of forgot. Hopefully I remember all the the good times. Imagine if a Newcastle fan had to do this podcast. How far back would they have to go? The things that have changed in the world there. Um, Brad, how's your nerves? You all right? You're normally quite a, a calm individual, but I don't think we've ever done a pod. Well, we've never done a podcast when we've played each other. I'm absolutely fine. Um, from where I live, people on know split, really. Um, we've got a lot of magmates and a lot of my football team that they're all Newcastle fans and they're shitting themselves <laughs> some of the messages they're putting in I'm catching up on them after work they are utterly shitting themselves um, nah, I'm fine what'll be will be I think it might change come 10 o'clock on Saturday morning when I pull up in Sunland and get to the ground and realise what's going to be happening but no I'm, I'm, I'm quite calm about it um, and strangely I mean I know people start as fancying us as over the last week or two because of their form. But since the draw was made, I think I said to all of us, I think we'll beat them. And I still believe that now. I think if you don't, there's no, I wouldn't say there's no point in not going. I'm not going to decide what frame of mind people should be in. But it's what the football's about, isn't it? Got to have some sort of belief, weighed up with of realism and expectation. But I'm, yeah, I'm quite calm. Um, I think I'd be more nervous if it was the other way around and we were expected to win. Um but hopefully we can we can pull off the unexpected and, and I'll be really happy about it, obviously. But Dave, how is uh how's your nerves holding up? I think we've all been quite calm in the group shit, haven't we? Really? Apart from Ross, who's like obviously like squeaky bum time. Yeah, I think to be fair, Ross is probably his, um I know we're an audio podcast, but probably is his, Ross is probably bricking it more because you can see his whole face for once instead of just his Brown. So, uh, I reckon that's why he's so nervous for blessing. <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, I think I think you summed it up quite well throughout the week. It's it's a free hit without ever really being a free hit for the fact that it's a huge derby. You know, it, it's it's the biggest around. I couldn't give a I, I couldn't give a toss what anyone else tells you about anything else. I mean, yeah. It's absolutely huge, but there genuinely is no pressure on it. We've got a new manager. Um, he's <laughs> in a weird... To, to turn it into a positive, considering we were so negative about him a couple of weeks ago, what a, what a statement of intent he can make. How many people can he get on side by doing the unthinkable when it comes to the Geordies? Bless him. The... Uh, you know, they push Paris Saint-Germain all the way, but can they beat Sunderland? Can they beat little old Sunderland from down the road? That'd be interesting. I hope they can. It'd be hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And if we get beat, as long as it's not like 4-0, 5-0, we weren't expected to win anyway. Good luck, oh, lads. No, any any defeat's going to absolutely knacker us. Like, but, like, I think Sunderland is a fan base. Like, we got relegated twice. Um, we've We've had character to be built for a while and um, we've stayed in the face of, face of adversity for a long, long time. And I think that's kind of helping with this. Like I've took everything being a Sunderland fan. Most of us have it's not to be scared of with someone like that. Uh, let's just go for it and 
play at your very best and let's keep our fingers and toes crossed that something positive is going to happen. But we want to talk about happy memories. A lot of them quite recent because, I mean, the last time that Newcastle beat Sunderland, the world was a very different place. And there's a lot of things that have changed. And that's not me taking the mick. That's just factual. But I want to go through our best Derby memories. There's been a couple of low ones, especially when I was younger, but mainly good ones in my adulthood. Ross, the first question I'm going to give to you, if you can remember this, I do. Uh, mine was quite a mundane one. But what was your first Derby, as in like the first Derby game that you attended? And so what were your memories from it? The one I attended was the 2-1 Richardson free kick. Oh, what a day. What a day as well. Um, it was windy. I remember that. Um, it just had the the whole aura of it. It just felt like, you see, I'd never been to a derby before. I didn't know the experience. And it was it was pretty heavy. Like, you know, the atmosphere and that. And for the way it went in the end, it was just brilliant, wasn't it? Um, and you could feel the relief after it had been so long since we'd won at home. So for that to happen, it was just tremendous. I love that day. Like, because I'm not going to mention that one because I've got a couple of others to mention. I'm going to talk about our favorite goals and our favorite derby games and stuff. But I'm pleased you mentioned that. Great day, fantastic day. One of my favorites. Not my favorite, but definitely one of my favorites. And I think when that the, the lad next to me, Barnsley, I'll never forget this as well. That same game, he. I don't know how much people remember this. But that week that announced the 50 best players of all time and El Hadjifid came out saying he was surprised that he wasn't included in it, seriously. And me and the lad next to me, who I still sit next to, uh, Stephen Barnes, were chatting about it. And he went, oh, do you see that article from Jufi? And I said, oh, yeah. And then minutes later, we get the free kick and stuff like that. And basically, after going in, the euphoria happened. We'd all hugged and gone mad. He turned around and he went, you know, yeah. I don't know whether you've realised this, but I'm sure Jufi's just took four men on to win that free kick. Maybe he is in the top 50 after all. Um, and that, that sticks in my head like the entire time. But it was a, a really fantastic day. And um, actually, it's a question I'm going to ask later on about what was your first derby win. And that, that was actually my first, about the seventh game I'd went to, annoyingly enough. And the first time I'd seen us actually win it. But I'll come to you next, Dave. What was your first derby game? You know, is the one that looks fifty? I imagine you might have been at one a bit earlier than us. My my first one was uh, the one one where Patrice Carter on scored. Believe it or not. Yeah, I've, I've just been I've just been skimming back through the history books and trying to remember. So I was born eighty six, eighty six thirty eight there, uh, thirty eight years ago tomorrow. Just out of uh, interest. Um, and the birthday it is tomorrow, mate. Hey, oh, hi, bless you, mate. What are you getting away? Go, <laughs> yeah, I could do with it. <laughs> um, so I don't, I remember watching the highlights of it, and obviously, really weirdly, semi finals of the, of the playoffs 2 0, Gates and Gates and Gabby Adini, I reckon. Um, so that's probably like the earliest memory of it, but in terms of actually going to the game. It wouldn't surprise me if it was very similar to you. Um, looking, looking back through it, yeah, I, I, can't, I don't have any earlier memory of that other than the the Carter on one. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go with that as well. Interesting fact for everyone, though, in terms of playoff uh, aggregate scores, we're two nil up on the Mags um, in in the history books. 
but even better in terms of the Texaco or the Anglo-Scottish Cup. Mm. We're 4-1 up on aggregate, just in case anyone wanted to know. Good good competition back in the day, that. It, mine should have been um, the Roker Park one. My first time I had a season ticket was 96-97, but my dad booked a holiday to Ibiza literally that week. And then the season afterwards, sorry, not that week, that year, and the season after, the next derby where we played each other was at the stadium, like the 2-2, where Phillips scored twice. And I still can't believe this. I'm still angry about it. My dad gave me ticket away because he thought it would be too dangerous for an 11-year-old. I think I wasn't, I was either, oh, hang on, what year would it be? 99. I, I was about 11, something like that. Um, shocking. My dad won't listen to this. He doesn't know how to work podcast, but I don't forgive you. Uh, Brad, what was your first derby game? Because I think you're not the youngest, but the second youngest. My first one was the 2-2, where we're 2 out down and Super Kev brought it back and went mm-hmm. to slide on his knees. And I think he talks about it on the Hot 100 video. Sort of just like a little somersault, a little pirouette and didn't know what he'd done. And he always talks about, I think it's on that video, it comes back to me. That he says all he could smell, all he could think is he needs to get out of the fans' ear because it just stunk of beer. <laughs> but yeah, that was the first one, two, two. Um, and then I think I've been to pretty much every single one since that. Uh, only done the away one once though, but it was a great one. I've I've got a really good record in St James's. I'm completely unbeaten. Four visits. No defeats. Um, I really like going up there, me, but... Um, unfortunately, this is a question that might not mirror as much. I've kind of given mine away, but sometimes I think when you're younger, you only go to the home derbies, and that means you, because of our record at the time, you didn't get much of a chance to see us beat Newcastle in the flesh for ages. But my first time was was when we beat them 2-1, which you touched on before, and, and Ross, yours will be the same. But, um, Brad, was that also your first time that you've seen us beat Newcastle in the flesh with Richardson's penalty, or did you manage to go to one of the, uh, in the rain away games, or um, the, the Phillips, not Phillips, Quinny Header game? No, I didn't go to any of them. Uh, Richardson's free kick, not penalty, like you've just said. Richardson's penalty. Did I say uh, penalty? Jesus. <laughs> um, his free kick. Was the I've first had, one. I've had one Captain Morgan's honestly, and I'm t- penalties are turning into free kicks. Well, he hit it like a penalty, didn't he? It, it, <sighs> it hit the back of the net quicker than a penalty would have. Um, yeah, that was the first one that I'd seen in the flesh where we'd beat them. And to be fair, I think if I go through the records now, I've been to more games where we've won than we've lost. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, which is mainly because I went to the entire six in a row, but um, which was. Fantastic and God, it was some of the best times of my life. But um, before I get too nostalgic, which I will, we'll get all emotional about it and stuff, and I'll make everyone feel nervous, and I'll get nervous after not being nervous. Dave, yours, well, you're the same age as me, born the same year, so you would have been Richardson, or did you manage to get to the uh, the rainy derby, which is bloody brilliant, by the way. I mean, I would have been really young, well, not really young, but younger. And I can still remember it like it was yesterday. Like Tommy Wright blocking the first shot, everyone way. And then Phillips just doing what Kevin Phillips did and absolutely smashing it. Well, not smashing it, curling it in the top corner. Oh, it was lovely. But uh, yes, Dave, talk to me about beating the mics. Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly the same. I do believe um, 
I do believe that that game um, where Phillips bent in the top corner on the turn, I reckon I was in Spain on a family holiday. And, you know, one of them where, like, the rest of the country who think they're proper football fans and they're not. And, like, there's me and me, me and my old man, like, kind of just dancing around the bar, going absolutely mental. I think it was a Wednesday night, if I'm not mistaken. And everyone's looking at us going, what are these two on? And I'm like, have you not seen that? We've just beat Newcastle. Like, you know, what happened? Get get Rude Hullard's sexy football out the window. I really want to raise a point about this game, right, which I bring up all the time, but never on a recorded podcast, because whenever people talk about that game, they always go, especially if it's from that persuasion from up the road, E, well, he dropped Shira and Ferguson. <laughs> and correct, he did. But me nana, God rest her soul, she taught me at the time when we were watching it and reminded me of something. Newcastle were winning until Duncan Ferguson came on and then we went 1-1 when Ferguson came on. Alan Shearer came on the pitch and we got our second. So as much as the talk about that game potentially was decided by Shearer and Ferguson not playing, let's be honest here, they fucked it for them. Swung it in our favour because as soon as they came on the pitch, we scored two and the best strike on the pitch scored that night. And the other second best strike on the pitch scored that night. So from my perspective, they probably should have left them on the bench because they might have had more of a chance. But um, that just a bee in my bonnet. Look, I know what happened in 1999. And I know it's a long time ago, but it always annoys me that the fact that them two were dropped was a thing. When they came on the pitch, we scored both times. Should have kept Paul Robinson on the pitch, um, who set the first goal up for them. Yep, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, Kieran but, Dyer, wasn't it? Kieran Dyer it was, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Ross, the, the fun stuff now we've got. <laughs> For anyone who's wondering if we sound a little bit off-key here, I've just had to edit a lot of stuff in the middle because Dave can't keep his stupid mouth shut, but at the same time, I'm pleased he can't because that's why I like him and that's why I love him. Um, but Ross, the fun stuff. We talk about the first derby win, the first derby we've been to. We've reminisced a little bit about beating them. Um, but I'm going to ask the ultimate question here. What's your favourite Sunderland derby win? Over that lot, um, the one nil just before Christmas, um, up up there, dump in the ninetieth minute, it just ruined so many Christmases, and it was possibly the greatest celebrations ever. And it was the day before my birthday, so I treat that as my birthday day out. I can't remember getting home. I remember being. I think I ended up in point at about midnight and after then total blur. Um it was just one of the greatest. Um but yeah, there's just it was just meant on it. And you look back at that team, it was really crap. Mm-hmm. Like Will Buckley was involved. Um <laughs> Donald Shea played right back. Yeah, because had, <laughs> because who who got injured again? Revier, who was actually decent. He got injured, didn't he, in the warm up? And we had to put Sebastian Quartes at centre-half and John O'Shea had to go to right-back. Honestly, I know, it's been, I know it's been ruined a little bit. And it has. Look, I'm, I'm, I don't want to beat around the bush for that, but he will not be named. Obviously, he scored in the, the last minute. But, like, the moment... So, uh, people know, obviously, I live in Scotland, but there was a small period of time when I lived in the Drossen with my, my ex-partner. And my ex-partner was nothing like... My current partner didn't go to football, didn't really care about it particularly. Um, and I'd made a point of 
because we'd won the game with Paolo, I got a half past seven train. So I made a point of no matter how much it cost, I was getting a half seven train back there. Back to Glasgow um, or back into Scotland. And I got absolutely smashed immediately. Um, completely lost track of time. Ended up getting back into Glasgow. I, I fell asleep on my trains. Like, But I remember kind of sobering up and someone waking me up saying, you're in Glasgow, get off the train. All right, sound. Now, the place I live is about an hour outside in Asia. Um, there's no trains after about 11. I got into Glasgow like after midnight. And the only thing I remember about that was I thought, well, the key thing to do, you've got no money going, but what you should do, this will really bode well for your relationship and the next morning, go and get yourself to um, a taxi rank and say, can you please take us an hour outside of Glasgow and I'll just pay you. I had no money on me. So long story short, I fell asleep in the back of the taxi again, gave the guy the address, woke up kind of near home. Knocked on the door and just said to my partner, tell me, you got 84 quid. You can imagine how that went down. And I got absolutely roasted the next morning for it because it was nearly 100 quid for the taxi. But I just didn't care. If I'm honest with you, I just didn't care. There's nothing that could have took the smile off my face that day because of the way we'd done it. It was just brilliant um, and hilarious because we were, we were pretty crap. And I honestly thought I was going to remember Jordi Gomez's miss for the rest of my life until obviously we're back in the, the last minute. But it's not my favourite derby win. I'll hold that one off a little bit. Um, I'm going to chuck this next one at Bradley Sharp. What's your favourite derby win? There's so many to choose from, by the way. Um, but we've all got our own special one. Hmm. My favourite, and I think it will go to a lot of people's favourites as well, was the one nil Jermaine Defoe. Because that was unbelievable. The atmosphere there was out of this world. And I mean, it's even, it says a lot when on Sky Sports after the game, Thierry Henry is commenting on what the fans are still doing here. It's like, you've won, just go, enjoy your day. It, uh, it was, that was just electric. And it even made it even better that the Mags had the meltdown. After watching it back, that Tim Crew was seen cuddling Defoe in the in the tunnel, as if to say, "Well done, son." <laughs> he, had, um, he had to come out after that as well. I rewatched this back because I think people would have saw. I posted the photo when they were saying like Derby Day celebrations, and I posted the one of Tim Crow celebrating Defoe's absolute scream. I passed him in the top corner in front of the South Stand. Um, I don't know if you remember this. The, Sky Sports questioned him about, it, and they're like, "Oh, do you understand why you know your lot will be be angry with that?" <laughs> and he was like, "I'm a Geordie." I've been here 10 years. I'm pretty certain he was born in Utrecht. Like he's not he's not Geordie. But he was like, oh no, I was I was being a I was being a bit nasty with him and I can't repeat what I said. And I was saying how lucky he was. And it was like you weren't, you were just like, wow, what a goal. Like everybody else was. And he got caught on camera doing it. But the fact that he came out afterwards and said, Oh no, I'm a Geordie was very, very funny. Um but what yeah. it was so sunny that day, Brad. So sunny. Yeah, it was red hot. It was red hot, and I remember it was my mate. He, he doesn't really like football, but he came along as a last-minute replacement for someone who was ill. And at half-time, he went down for a drink. Well, he went down to get the drinks, and then I went down to get mine off him, and I looked, and his eye was cut wide open. So like, what the hell's happened to you? And he, it, just a bottle had came flying over, and he missed half a second half while they were gluing his eye back together. So he doesn't even like football, really. He just came along for a deal with the lads. 
and he's ended up going home with a big cut on his eyebrow after Derby Day, which is like better than any battle scar I've ever had at any Derby I've ever been to. Um, but yeah, that day was just amazing. It was the timing of the goal. The strike is it's it's always shown on Sky Sports when they advertising games. Um, and they knew that would be as well. I think that's what hurts them that that goal would would be shown on repeat forever. Um, and was that the season that they got relegated as well? Uh, we stayed up. No, that they didn't. No, they stayed up in the final season day. After. Season after. Yeah, it was the season after because it was when Allardyce came in. Like that was that next one. Um, but yeah, everything about that. If you're talking about like upsetting the mags, it was when John Carver comes out on the build-up and says, I believe I'm still the best coach in the Premier League. And I was like, no, you're not, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, everything about that day was outstanding. And, I mean, that I think that was my favourite favorite one. But it's also probably something that you'll ask as well about favourite goal. I think it's, it's up there. It's just everything about that game was pretty much perfect. Yeah, fabulous. Lovely sunny day. We we were at it from minute one. And look, this is going to sound a bit like clang, but I, I was um, interviewing Kevin Ball at one point and we were talking about derby games and stuff like that. And I was talking about the the importance of Lee Catamall and him putting in that tackle in the early doors in the game where we drew 1-1 and, and Bentner scored and how that like showed them we weren't going to be bullied like we were the season previous and, and how important that sort of role is in a derby of getting that you know, big tackling. And I think a lot of people leading up to this game have talked about who's going to put the big tackle in, Trey Hume and stuff like that. And and it was not long after that game and and Borley said, do you know what the big thing about that game was? The first big tackle, and I think most people don't remember this, was from Jody Gomez. He absolutely thundered into one of their midfielders. I can't remember who it was. Took the ball cleanly um, and got the bloke with him at the same time and like really hit him hard. And, and, and he was saying like, when you see like the Barcelona Academy graduate, like the, the boy that's meant to be the silky, more like flair player, the one that's going to like pass the ball and, and do your Hollywood balls and be a bit more of your, your number 10, putting in a tackle like that, you know everyone's up for it. So the likes of Lee Catamol and whatnot don't have to do what they need to do because that boy's up for it. And um, I think that's one thing I, I remember massively from that. Jody Gomez was fantastic that day and... Whilst I'm on the clang, when I went to interview Seb Larson as well, he was talking about how much he loved Derby games because I think he was more or less unbeaten apart from one game, I think, which was uh, the last time they beat us. And he was talking about how much he loved playing at St. James's because he took the corners. And he said, you know, when I used to like looking at the eyes, I like, used to hate us. And he's like, now nah, I loved it because I knew I could absolutely ruin their day. And I'll never forget him when we won in December. I think a lot of people forget about it because you watch the goal, but he pats the badge right in front of the Gallagher like right in front of it. And it was at that moment that I knew Seb Larson was officially the sexiest man on the planet. And it wasn't just about his looks, it was also his personality. Um, <laughs> Stop me confessing love for Sebastian Larson here, but uh, what's your favourite derby? So many of them in recent times, isn't it? Um, just to get that slide, or not to slide digging, shall it's, I say. It's, it's, it's factual, isn't it? It's factual. You can record this back if we get beyond Sunday or whatever, but it's factual. Like, it's been a while. Definitely. Um, I think think for the the nostalgia part of it, for how much momentum it gives us and stuff like that, I'm probably going to agree with Brad. Um, even though the Phillips goal, the, the Quinn winner, which is probably more like my my era of growing up and really understanding what it means to everyone. I think to see a 35-year-old bloke 
who is quite clearly London born and bred, come up to the northeast and break down at half time. I mean, a professional footballer who in his twilight has probably earned like 60k a week. And we've swapped him for Josie Altador, bless him. Um, probably the best bit of business that we've done. And, and to see the goal on his left foot, and I, I love watching that. I'm surprised it hasn't been out already, actually. But I love watching that clip of Defoe talking himself through it, and he fills up again. And I just think, I, I just think if somebody like that, who has been in football since they were what, probably 17, 18 year old, 17 years, can still get that emotional over the beautiful game. I think that tells you everything you need to know. I, th- I think it's absolutely unreal how people probably look at the game and have looked at the game and looked at the rivalry for years. And, and especially, it's quite a close-knit family, footballers. And they'll have heard all about it and they'll have mates within the, within the game and heard about it. But to not really understand it until you've done it and then have a little bit of a breakdown after you've just scored and yeah, I think it's special. I think it was a really, really special moment. I think it just totally, totally proves what this game's about. I tell you what, I'm not there on Saturday. My family's all gone. I'm looking after the business. But I will stand there at that TV and be just as proud as everyone who's going to be in that in that ground. And it's it's going to be ferocious on Saturday. I absolutely can't wait to hear it on TV. I'd rather I was in the middle of it, but the rest of the country can stand up and, and realise that, all right, ownership aside, maybe a few dodgy decisions off the field, but Sunderland have got their football club back and that's, uh, that's pretty special. Yeah, well, you've just took the, you've just done the emotional thing that I was going to do there, but um going to take a break after mine, but mine is one that hasn't been mentioned yet and I'm shocked that none of you have mentioned it, but mine was my very first win at St. James's, which was the uh, lovely known as the, the Paolo Di Canio Derby, I think it was. Um three nil in the shit pit. Like just brilliant. Like the, the whole set of recent victories and every victory is special over them. But that one for me, I remember saying before the game and just saying, I've never had it where we've never battered them. I've never had it. Like, and I was born in um Sunderland, like sort of spent my early days in Southwick. But went to school in my teenagers in South Shields in the mid nineties, so you can imagine what that was like. And we'd beaten them, but I'd never battered them, I'd never humiliated them. And the whole day from like Paolo slapping um Pardew in the face, the disallowed goal for them that was blatantly onside and Pardew celebrating wildly and then having to be like, oh hey. And the fact that we scored three absolutely incredible goals, um, that was a really emotional game for me, that, because a lot of, like, the hurt from that I've had as, as football fans, I know people might think I'm, I'm being a bit too dramatic here, but you do get hurt with football. Of course you do. Like, why else would you do it if it didn't, you know, get you right where, where like in the heart, you know? But, um, and those games caused me nothing but slight joy now and again, and then pain, because I grew up in an era where Sunderland just weren't quite good enough on the pitch, and we went to their place and just took the mick. And Sessnion absolutely tortured them. And David Vaughan, oh, I'm going to come back to that after the break. But hopefully you've enjoyed the first part. We're going to come back after the break, talk about our favourite Sunderland goals, and then we're going to pick our ultimate Derby Day hero. 
which uh, might be Jack Clark. Come sooner or later, who knows? But um, catch you after the break. Thanks, guys. Hello and welcome back to part two of our Derby preview. Hopefully you enjoyed part one. Um, I'm assuming you did, because if you're back for part two, then um, and didn't enjoy it. Well, I don't know. Um, but we spoke about our first Derby, the first time we saw something beat Newcastle, talk about our favourite Derby win, and now we're going to talk about our favourite goal in a Derby before we pick our ultimate Derby hero. Ross has a lot to choose from. There's been quite a fair few wins to choose from, but let's choose our favourite Derby goal. Uh, mine sticks out like a sore thumb, but what's your... What's your ultimate Sunderland versus them goal? Um, a few, isn't there? There is quite a few. But I'm going to pick one that probably is not as commonly picked by everyone. But mine's one of my favourite goals, Stephen Fletcher's at home. <laughs> in the Which one? He's, he's, oh, in the 3 0, because he scored twice, didn't he? Yeah, the 3-0, where Kabul turned into fucking, like, Lewis Figo on the left wing <laughs> and put in one of the best crosses you've ever seen. And on the... Vo- like, it was so good because it was just, like, an ultimate piss take in the last minute. And it was such an underrated finish and, like, move. And it was just tremendous. Like, uh, it, it was in the ground as well. It was absolutely jumping. Allardyce, I think it was his first game, it was. First home game. Wrong. Yeah, and it was just absolutely jumping and it felt like at that point as well. I think that might have been the was that the sixth? Was that the sixth victory? Yeah, it was. It was and it was it was the game where they all completely lost it because they beat us on the stats. Oh, uh, you know, we battered you until half time and, and all that kind of stuff, and it was never a red card. It wasn't. It was never a red card. It makes it no less funny. Um and the commentary is brilliant on the Fletcher goal. Obviously, we're at the game, didn't hear it, but it's in the intro to this podcast, the intro to the podcast earlier. Just he doesn't say anything in the commentator, just when the ball goes over, he goes, Fletcher. And it's like, when uh, it's your day, it's your day. <laughs> it's like, oh, it was our day. It was, it was, it got to the point, like you see, the sixth one in a row where it was comfortable and the second half was just it was just piss take party on it. And Billy Jones scored. <laughs> I forgot that. Billy Jones scored uh-huh. against the man. Yeah. His first goal for the club. You know what? That's not talked about anywhere near enough, is it? That Billy Jones scored against the Mags. No, not in the slightest. I mean, Billy Jones was comfortably one of the worst Premier League right backs, in my personal opinion, that we've had. But tried. He tried, bless him. And he had some good games, but he did score against the Mags. And that's the first thing I remember about Billy Jones, which goes to show, like, Sometimes we'll forgive stuff if you put one past that lot, even if it's on the line from a corner. There must be a thing about right back scoring against the mugs. Patrice Cateron. Cateron. Do you know when you hear you talk about goals in that game and, and Dave spoke before about Defoe and like what it meant to him and all the things that he's achieved in his career, like scoring in World Cups and stuff like that. And how that one sort of brought him to tears. If you ever listen to interviews by Patrice Cateron or Cateron. Um, as Bradley so wonderfully pronounced, he talks about that, and he played for for seven games, and he talks about that as if it's one of the best moments in his career. And like he didn't play for crappy French teams; that like, he played for decent, de- decent French teams. He had a, a decent level of career, 
did Patrice and he's now a manager over there and I think he's doing or was doing relatively well. Not that I'm that well rehearsed on French football, to be honest. But when you ever speak to him about it, like he loves Sunderland because he played seven games and scored in that scored in that game. But I'll never forget Cartron looking up at the crowd when that ball went in and his face just screams, what the hell have I just done? <laughs> like, what have I done? You can't forget this is how Graham but Louis Dreyfus has just posted a statement on his Instagram. What? Oh, no. Do you want us to read it out? No. Do you want us to read out, though? <laughs> is he going to sponsor the podcast? Because that's as far as he's going to get for a... Uh... If he wants to sponsor us 10 grand a month, then okay. Basically, he's uh, took full responsibility. Okay. And he said that, yeah, he takes full responsibility for every decision that's taken by the employees of our club. And that will have his word that he'll personally make sure that we make the necessary changes required to improve because clearly there are many areas where we need to be better. Captain obvious, but okay. it's obvious. He couldn't prove it in the pudding now. Prove I it. Like I like us not to be reactionary on this podcast. Um, and this will be a complete reactionary of me, but okay. Let's talk about nice things. Um yeah. sorry to you can edit this out. No, no, it had to be there. Fair enough. Um, let's discuss the favorite goals. So you've chosen I forgot what you chose, Ross. Stephen Fletcher's piss take volume. Yes, of course. Um Brad, I'll come to you next. What's your favorite something goal in the derby? But two of them's already been mentioned. Ross has got the one I was probably going to go a bit left field with. And obviously I mentioned before. So for me, it was wrapping up the 3-0 under De Canio with Davy Vaughan because I just put the icing on the cake and the technique was unbelievable. But it's even better knowing if it was in this day and age that would have been ruled out for offside because VAR would have got the hands all over it. And ruled that out, and they were probably still at 2 0 with 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes to go. Could have still been in it. So, yeah, that one for me, the technique was unbelievable. And every time you watch it, just the bend and the whip he gets in the far corner, and then just the celebrations that that sparked. Like, <laughs> most of the bench just running on the pitch to Canio in utter disbelief of what's just, what's just happened. Um, yeah, I think technique wise, that's. Not as good as Defoe's, but it's on par. Just how we caught it, so sweet. It was it was a beautiful finish. Um, yeah, and I, I like David Vaughan's song as well. I, I'm going to ask the same question to Dave, but I'm going to ask it in this way just to tell you um, how I feel about my favourite Derby goal. What is your favourite Derby goal, Dave, of all time, and why is it David Vaughan's? because it's mine um, and it was brilliant and I loved it and it was offside and it's fantastic <laughs> even better I do like the fact it was offside as well um, but I love David Vaughan unbelievable uh, my favourite Welsh person is David Vaughan yeah mine too exactly well my favourite French player which isn't David Vaughan sorry DC <laughs> <laughs> my favourite uh, French player he's fucking Brazilian Patrice. by the way since when was Danny Collins Welsh? I'm going to cut Dave <laughs> off here a minute. Hang on a minute. No, I, well, you know what? Carry on. I'm, I've had enough of this with pretending Danny Collins is Welsh these days when he's blatantly, <laughs> obviously Brazilian. Anyway, sorry. Um, Continue on. There's a song that proves it, I'm sure. Um, 
my well, favorite that's the point, player. isn't it? <laughs> no, I, I can't think <laughs> one. <laughs> Ross, read that bloody statement out again, will you? I'd like to formally apologise as the custodian of What The Folk podcast for the way that I have let Dave down during this podcast. <laughs> and I'd just like to apologise for letting Graham down every other week. So there you go. Listen. Apologies all round. Listen, I apologise. Listen, listen, Now listen, my favourite French player, other than Patrice Carteron, would have to be, and the only word I can use for him is the fact that he's a Raji, and I loved him for the fact that he was a Raj. And that was DJ Rolfesia. <laughs> Just, and he had a class song as well, isn't it? I love a cult hero. Absolutely love it. Um, if I'm not mistaken, was that a 1 1 draw that game? We beat them 2 1 at home and we... drew 1 1 away, scored in both games. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the one I'm thinking of, I think it was at home, actually. He, he tried to slide it past the keeper, keeper made a save, and then he ran under the end of it and stopped. Him. Was that the home game? No, that's against them. Um, that was the away game. That was it. Well, well, there you go. Then I, I just, I just love his reaction. I, I, I loved his reaction to every time he scored. To be fair, he didn't get that many for us, but I just love the passion that he played with. And again, if he fancies one last dance, do you know what I mean? Why not? He might be forty-two. He might not want any money, but bring him in with Jan and Beer. Oh, that'll get a few bites, won't it? That'll get a few bites. I also. I want to point out that we've completely and utterly missed out an absolute beauty from one player who scored twice and absolutely hammed it up in front of the Leeds' end. Fabio Brini's penalty and also Fabio Brini's winner at the Stadium Light. Um, I think when you look at Brini's time, like his loan spell was crap. I was desperate to get him back and it kind of never really worked in any way, shape, size or form. But those two goals and obviously the one at Wembley... And the important goals that he scored like stick out like a sore thumb. But I was at St James's when he scored the penalty, and I think there's a video going about, and you can hear the roar from our way end. That was a brilliantly underrated derby because we all went there and normally we were going to Wembley and we just sang about that the whole time. And also the fact that they just sold Kabai. So we were all singing Don't Sell Kabai, Johan Kabai, and about it being a riot. And we took the mick on the pitch. It was the most comfortable we've ever been in a derby, like period. I've never felt more comfortable. We were 2-0 up in about 21, 22 minutes. Callback scored. Like, and we were singing about going to Wembley, which pissed them off even more because we were going to Wembley like two weeks later. Altidore was outstanding that game. Altidore was back. Tell you who was the it. best player on the pitch that day? Altidore. Liam Bridcutt. <laughs> Liam Bridcutt was amazing, I thought. Oh, he it. was. <laughs> and then he was absolutely terrible after, after that game. He, he, was he, he absolutely dictated that <laughs> game from start to finish. And I was like... Wow, we found a gem here. And it was like, I've never heard of it, like a diamond going to a lump of coal. It was always the other way. Um, yeah, Big Cup was unbelievable. Yeah, he was. And there's another goal, Graham, right, which people don't mm-hmm. really talk about. There were two great goals. We got B3-2. But Stephen Elliott was an absolute oh. world at their place. And Liam yeah, Lawrence. They were. Yeah, we were so crap, but they tried so hard that day. We were awful. Like, the- and I think that's the game that what's he called on Talksport tried to say Amiobi got two or whatever, and beat that, then he beat us two one. And aye, did you see that? And that, that's the game he was referring to as well. And I was like, no, we, you beat us three two, and Amiobi didn't score three kicks. Sir. Dean Whitehead didn't score for us either. Which he was <laughs> a point that was like, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. We're not talking about a game in the seventies. Um, 
I wanted to ask just as a final thing, like, and I'm hoping we get another one this Saturday, but hey, what will be will be. Um, we, we've talked it to death what this game is like in terms of the slight golf and quality and also the fact that anything could happen in Derby. We genuinely don't know what's going to happen and I really hope it's going to be a fantastic day and a day that I think all Sunderland fans deserve after the kind of rubbish that we've had, um, not just today, but over, over the, the years in the past. But um, there's an ultimate Derby hero for all of us, I think, and... I wanted to ask all of you who like your ultimate derby hero is when you think of Sunderland versus Newcastle, who's the, who's the man you just straight away comes to your mind and you go, oh, like he was classing a derby and you just loved him. I'll go for you first, Ross. Um, Jermaine Defoe, like just iconic, wasn't he? Um, the goals he scored, he just loved it. He was up for it every game he played against them and they were terrified of playing him. And his celebrations are iconic and he, like you said, the way he spoke about the, the game after. And I just remember his chant, like for the whole half-time, as Brad mentioned, after he scored that. That game, I was actually so hungover. I was hanging out my arse. I'd been out the night before, which was a terrible idea. It was a Sunday, I think it was. And I just couldn't get rid of it. And then all of a sudden, at half time, I was just like, right, I'm back in the game. Here we are. And the concourse was bouncing. The stadium was bouncing. It was it was just a brilliant day. But all I can think of is Jermaine Defoe. He's a man who epitomised the good times as, as part of the six of the row in a red and white shirt. And I see it. He's etched in folklore for them goals. The screamer out place. And then the, the point he got as part of their um, relegation. No, we got beat that game 1-1, mate. Um, oh, I don't know. We got beat 1-1 that day. Um, oh, ultimate Derby hero. I've touched on Barini already, and I was tempted to go Barini, but I'm going to give you someone who I think is someone you might not associate that much with being a Derby hero. But he scored as many goals in a Derby as Barini did. He scored as many goals in a Derby as uh, Jermaine Defoe did, I think. And he also... <laughs> created a moment, shall we say, that was some people found quite funny um, at St. James's when we won 1-0 at Christmas. And it was a man who is Scottish, comes from Glasgow, completely understood the derby as much as any of the other players that we've mentioned. We've touched them a little bit in this, in this um, podcast. But one man for me that I could hang my hat on every single time in a derby and I just thought he could be on the worst run of form and not scored in weeks and I still felt like he was going to bag one against them lot, Stephen Fletcher. I absolutely loved Stephen Fletcher in a derby. Opening five minutes in the Barini 2-1 game, I think people forget how important that goal was. The clincher in the 3-0, which was just like glorious, which we've touched on. And he had an, an accident with Stephen Fletcher. Uh, Stephen Fletcher, Stephen Taylor, sorry. Um, and that kind of was like a goal, I guess, in some ways. But um, I, I'll, I'll pass on to you next, Brad. Mine's Stephen Fletcher because I just thought you wouldn't choose him and I loved Fletcher and Derby, me. Yeah, well, I've got two. I want to mention one and I'll come back to another one if Dave doesn't pick him. But mine's a bit of a left-field one as well because I think he played in every game under that unbeaten run. And in his whole career, before he came to us as well, he never lost to Newcastle. And he's our little lucky charm. 
and that would be John O'Shea. Because at Man United, he never once lost to the Mags. And when he came to us, he never lost to Newcastle in his whole career. And he played in every single game um, from the start of the run until ultimately we got relegated and we didn't, <laughs> wasn't here anymore. Um, not dead, just wasn't at Sunderland anymore. Um, so, yeah, mine, mine would be John O'Shea because I, not, not just that, yeah, I think he captained us in a few of them games as well. I think he was captain in all but one, I believe. So he's got to take a hell of a lot of credit for that because, look, they don't come much more experienced in world football, well, in, especially in, in this country, if he was played at the highest level. He's played in Champions League. He's played in big derbies at, at Manchester. So he gets what derbies are all about, regardless who he's playing for. And he never let us down in them games. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Super John O'Shea. Good shout, that. Really good shout. Um, Dave, since you're 105 years of age, you might have someone slightly older, like, I don't know, um, Horatio Carter or something like that. But well, I was going to go with Len Shackleton, but, you know. But, uh, to be fair, he wasn't biased against Newcastle. Like, most of us didn't care who beat them. I agree more. Exactly. Um, and to be fair, I was going to go with the uh, with the comedy art value. I didn't even know if either of them played. And I was going to go David Kelly or Steve Agnew, but uh, I guess to be I honest, guess I guess won a penalty against. Yeah, just absolutely love that look, just because his hairstyle is very similar to mine. Unbelievable. You um, a little bit better. <laughs> no, to be honest, for me, there's one that stands out very, very early memory, and just to see. And I know we're not swearing, but just to see that sad, Geordie, miserable bottom lip hit the floor. Tommy Sorensen. Just just for that one moment alone. I mean, Sorensen was top class, totally underrated in some in, in some areas, but just for that penalty save alone. Oh my god, just to hear the collective grow. I can still hear it now. The collective groan from the lot of them. Oh, I hope we get something like that on Saturday. I really, really do. Especially if it's a local boy with Paddle. Unbelievable. And with that, I think I've made myself nervous. <laughs> um, <'cause, laughs> do you know what it is? I'll leave you with this. I'm not nervous, actually, about not winning the game. I'm nervous about winning the game because of what it creates in me for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of just pure euphoria. I'm nervous about not having that feeling. I'm used to being sick because of footy. Not that used to being happy. And God, it makes us happy. But um, I'm reluctant to do this. But I do prediction every week and I never get it right. So it doesn't really matter. So you can make a prediction with your head. You can make a prediction with your heart. You can just say some numbers if you want. I'll go first so you don't feel nervous. Because I did it during the preview show during the week. And I'm saying it with my heart. I'm not saying it with my head because this game is not played with your head. Hopefully the players on the pitch do. But from a fan's perspective, it's played 100% with your heart. And I think Patrick Roberts will play some part. And I think he will come off the bench, at least. And I think Sunderland will win 1-0. But it's my heart speaking, which is not something to be trusted. Brad, 
give me your positive outlook because I know you normally do. I predict a riot. A riot. <laughs> and it's going to cause a few people to think, eh, I think we beat them 3 1. Mm. I believe we'll go 1 0 up and they'll equalise before half time. And I think second half, for some reason, I think they'll just capitulate and we'll take them to bits. And I also believe Patrick Roberts will come on as well and he'll wrap it up. Well, to be honest, I'm going to have to get you to because I'm not sure I fully believe what you're saying. But here we are. Uh, Ross, how are you feeling? Uh, obviously, I'll never, I'll never predict us to lose to them lot. But mm-hmm. I think it'll be 1-1. Oh, no. I think we'll... And then I'm going to predict something wild. I think we'll beat them in the replay on in a penalty shootout. <laughs> now, imagine you how think wild... You <laughs> think I'm like now? <laughs> isn't, isn't the last minute they get baby brain and not you? <laughs> do, do you feel nervous now? Ross has <laughs> recently had a child and hasn't been sleeping that much, I don't think. So I kind of, like, you know, I want to make a public apology and take all the blame for what the fuck, but not in this case. Um, this Imagine is... if that comes through. That will be played on Twitter, on every... I'd, I'd, honestly, I'd, I'd want that played at my funeral just to say how great I was. With the full 90 plus the, the 120. People have been like, starting to smell a bit, mate. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's the Geordie family at the back. Um <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope my dad listens to this because sometimes he does. A mad so, bastard. So do I. Fuck you, you bastard. Um, <laughs> never met him before. Never going to. Um, Dave, are you are you going realistic? Because it's harder to go against us. But like we've got to be honest and say that I think they are the favourites going into it. The pressure is all on them. So there's positives and negatives to that. But um, yeah, it's a tough game on paper. It is a tough game on paper, and unfortunately, I've. Uh... I've bought into your lot's enthusiasm, so I'm really calm about it. I don't know why everybody listens to this. You know, we get about fifty listeners a week, so there's there's going to be was? another fifty people with us, something like that. Well, forty-seven. I think it was seventeen last time I checked, and thirteen <laughs> of them put a dislike on YouTube, like so. <laughs> um, but for some reason, I think it's going to be what the what they call in some some. Uh, corners ye old faithful and I think it's going to be 2-1 and I think we will start very quickly I think we'll be the aggressive team I don't think they'll live with us and I think we'll go 2-0 up go in at half time 2-0 up and I reckon they'll have a bit of a they'll have a bit of a reaction in the second half and it might get a little bit nervy and it might get a little bit hairy but I reckon we'll hold on for 2-1. There's really only one thing that I think is left to say here, to be honest. I'm going to leave you with this. It's a very poignant message. Um, It's a message that we really want you to take with you going into the game on Saturday. We want you to understand the magnitude of this football club and and what it means. And it's a very simple one-line sentence that um, I hope you can all resonate with. And it goes a little bit like this. Fuck. The Mags. How are we? How are we? How are we?
Richardson takes it. Oh, 